Hello, I'm Paulette Lee, and you're listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. If you're over 60, you're still worthy of being heard. This week, the first week of April 2023, there is an atypical concurrence of religious and cultural holidays. Norwuz, the Persian or Iranian New Year with its roots in Zoroastrianism, is underway. It's the Christian Holy Week leading up to Easter Sunday. It's also the beginning of the week-long Jewish holiday Passover. And it's the middle of the Muslim holy month of Ramadan. The first three holidays, Norwuz, Easter, and Passover, are lunar holidays that occur at the beginning of spring. Passover starts on the first night of a full moon after the spring equinox. Easter is on the first Sunday on or after the spring equinox. Ramadan is more complicated. It's based on the sighting in Mecca, Saudi Arabia, of the new crescent moon in the ninth Islamic month, which changes from year to year. So while Ramadan is also underway this week, it won't again coincide with the other spring religious observances for another three decades. Thus, the spring equinox this year is the common factor among all these holidays. And as a celebration of renewal, worthy of being significant, no matter what your religious or spiritual orientation. Personally, I am a secular humanist, and while I enjoy participating in much of the celebrations, I don't subscribe to any particular theology. However, I absolutely do connect to the new beginnings idea of spring. And so I would say I also connect to the spirituality of these seasonal celebrations. And the more years that pass, and they seem to pass so much more quickly as I add them up, the more I wonder about that which is not temporal. Religion and spirituality are not necessarily the same thing, though for many they are synonymous. But while religion is usually a set of beliefs and practices among adherents, or a particular system of faith and worship of divine or higher powers, Spirituality has been defined as a, quote, personal search relating to things sacred and transcendent, measured in more experiential terms, such as the search for meaning, peace, and personal fulfillment, contemplation about the meaning of life. Here's how a 2020 article from greaterseniorliving.com describes it, quote, When people talk about their spirit, they're often referring to the hard-to-describe force that animates the core of their inner being. By extension, anything that enlivens our spirit or helps us attune to it can be described as spiritual. That's why many people say that they've had spiritual experiences when they've been deeply moved by certain activities, events, personal interactions, or moments of profound insight or inspiration. The quote goes on, Spirituality is often perceived or described as a broad, subjective, and unifying concept, informal and non-denominational, highly personal and not dogmatic, 
feeling-oriented, and an inward experience. Religion is often perceived or described as well-defined and highly structured, formal and denominational, focused on community, rituals, and specific doctrines, behavior-oriented, and an outward experience with inward benefits. The article points out, as part of their experiences with aging and spirituality, seniors may adopt new habits or ways of living. For example, many spiritually inclined seniors place more focus on their inner lives than on external expectations, speak from their hearts more frequently, put more effort into making meaningful connections with other people, develop more patience and attentiveness, seek more opportunities for silence and solitude, change their perception of time by living more in the moment, allow more time for reflection, sharing, and loving, end quote. I would say that pretty much describes my personal sense of spirituality. What about you? Has your spirituality, however you define your connection to that which has meaning beyond your physical self, changed as you've aged? expanded, lessened, deepened, been redefined. Interestingly, there is an international conference on aging and spirituality, and this year uh, will be the 10th such gathering, which will be held this June in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. The theme is Challenges and Choices, Spirituality and Dignity in Later Life. I always am concerned about linking that word dignity to later life, because so often it refers to dying with dignity. And of course, given the usual associations made with aging, the conference topics, not unsurprisingly, include death and dying. I wonder though, is this the only role spirituality has for us as we age to prepare us to die? No, not at all. In fact, it turns out the opposite is true. Spirituality, often but not always defined in reference to religion, has been demonstrated to be a life-giving force. A 2016 paper by Zimmer et al., Spirituality, Religiosity, Aging, and Health in Global Perspective, it's quite a title, is a review of cross-national literature on the impact of religiosity and spirituality on health in later life. To quote from that paper, though I'm going to omit the citations, quote, evidence suggests that older persons tend to be more religious than younger ones. Some of this could be a function of cohort differences, with the current older generation coming from a background and a time where religion was valued to a greater degree, and thus they carry those values into old age. However, quoting continued here, there is other evidence to suggest that people become more involved with religion and their sense of spirituality magnifies with age. It is not hyperbole to say that population aging coupled with increasing longevity will be among the most important trends driving population health and healthcare costs around the world over the next several decades, end quote. 
The paper goes on to cite studies done on the connection between religiosity and longer life. One study, quote, provided evidence using the U.S. National Health Interview Survey that those who do not attend religious services have close to twice the risk of dying as opposed to those who do. Unfortunately, the authors are pointing out here, demographic research has almost exclusively focused on frequency of service attendance as an indicator of religiosity and with few exceptions, considered only U.S. data, unquote. Now, this was as of 2004, and note that the study was based on attendance at services, so it's really not at all clear that there is a um, legitimate connection between attending religious services and when you die. Um, statistical correlation between religiosity, spirituality, and health has been found, though, with other health outcomes. Uh, outcomes. They include cardiovascular conditions common among older persons, such as heart disease, blood pressure, cholesterol, myocardial infarction, and stroke. Benefits of religiosity, I always have trouble with that word, and spirituality, pre- and post-cardiac events have been observed. Salutary effects have been seen with respect to disability and functional limitation, kidney function, cirrhosis, emphysema, chronic pain, cancer, and self-rated overall health, unquote. There is also strong evidence of a connection between a broader definition of spirituality and mental health. Quote, religiosity and spirituality have been shown to relate to depressive and anxiety outcomes, particularly among older persons. Some of the literature has indicated that religiosity can moderate the association between physical health conditions and depression through coping mechanisms and can increase recovery time from a number of health disorders. Cognition has been shown to benefit from religiosity." Unquote. Now, the review of the literature doesn't paint an all-rosy picture. It also has been shown that religious practices can be disadvantageous to health. Quote, For instance, religion has been found to induce anxiety when it fosters psychologically harmful feelings such as guilt and shame, when it promotes adverse attitudes toward outsiders, or when it encourages unquestioning devotion and obedience or beliefs that step toward fundamentalism. It is harmful to rely on faith healing as a substitute for medical care. Unfavorable interactions with fellow church members have been identified in one study as leading to depressive outcomes among clergy and older churchgoers. Religious doubt or a feeling of uncertainty toward religious beliefs has been associated with negative mental health outcomes." Unquote. And then, of course, one also has to take into consideration a study's biases. For example, quote, for older populations with high prevalence of disability, attending religious services requires a certain level of physical ability. This might suggest that attendance, which is the single most frequently used measure of religiosity and the one most often linked to health outcomes, could bias associations more so than other measures, like private practice, 
which may be the activity of choice for chronically ill and those near death. So to simplify it, according to these studies, they say people who go to church are healthier and don't die as soon, but there's no indication that they've taken other considerations in, uh, into play here about why people, particularly older people, may not be attending church services. But let's assume for the moment that spiritual practice is good for your health and longevity. Well, why would that be so? Well, prayer and meditation are known to be focused, calming practices, and those are good for your health. Belonging to a faith community is also positive, as the studies show. Quoting again from this paper, Religious institutions worldwide, such as churches, temples, and mosques, are often a focal point for interaction, exchange, and support. They can play a role in integrating families and providing encouragement for an active family life. A place of worship is often a location where social interaction happens. A place of worship is often a focal point for volunteer and community building work. And this uh, can be uh, play a particularly supportive role among older people who in some countries will be frequently living alone and they could be lonely and may be experiencing frequent losses, unquote. When we think of those losses that we endure more and more as we age, perhaps it is our spirituality that gives us not just comfort, but also the coping methods we seek. I have a very dear friend who is very traditionally Christian. She believes in all of it. I believe in none of it. We both know that about each other and accept each other. Where we are the same is in our values. And I love that when I've been in the depths of despair, she can say to me, I don't know what to tell you. That's when I turn to prayer and I acknowledge her resource. In turn, I turn to writers and poets, and that resonates with her as well. We both believe in the wisdom of higher powers, however we define them. I grew up in the Unitarian Universalist faith, which is based on the principle that we all must have faith in our own ability to craft our own belief systems. UU minister, the Reverend Jennifer L. Brower, the minister emerita of the UU congregation at Shelter Rock in Manhasset, New York, a congregation that when she was there had a remarkable number of very active and involved members in their 80s and 90s, did an interview with PBS's online Frontline in which she said, quote, if we understand the spirit to mean the animating or vital force within each person, spirit derived from the Latin spiritus, meaning soul, courage, vigor, breath, then the spirit is our vital center or our core, and the spiritual are those things that support that center, those things that enliven us and give us a sense of courage or heart for our living. Spiritual experiences are those events in life and moments in relationships that attune us to that vital or animating force within and that give greater meaning and depth to our day-to-day -day living. 
Naturally, that which moves the spirit, that which brings us deep meaning and satisfaction and enlivens us at 45 years of age, may not be what nurtures our sense of wholeness and spiritual wellness at 93. So in my view, and this is uh, Reverend Brower speaking or writing, the process of aging at every life stage brings about changes in one's spiritual life, unquote. She goes on to cite some of those events with which we're all familiar, bereavement, having to redefine our sense of purpose, reconciling our sense of self with physical and or mental decline, a time for life review, our ability to participate in a religious community, and questions about the nature of God, human existence, and death. She concludes by offering this guidance, quote, some theological thinkers believe that God, called by so many different names, is found or created in the connection formed between two people who are engaged in the mutual enterprise of sharing from their deepest self and being open to the other person's deepest self, what Martin Buber called an I-vow relationship or what is referred to in the term namaste, meaning I bow to the divine within you. Reverend Brower continues, there in that space, the holy is brought to life. And through that experience, both people will be transformed. So until our very end and maybe after, there is always the possibility of discerning something new about the transcendent and our connection to the most high. No matter how old we get to be, no matter what the circumstances of our aging and dying, Reverend Brower says, I believe that within our relationships with other people and through our unique experience of being alive, flashes of insight, moments of healing and transformation are always possible. I encourage people to stay open to the fullness of experience, whether sorrowful or joyful, and the wisdom that will yet come to them. For through those deeply felt experiences, their life will be changed and made richer if they allow it to be. End quote. Thanks so much for listening. As usual, resources will be listed on the Woman Worthy Facebook page. Have a great week. You have been listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. Tune in wherever you receive your podcasts with new episodes every Monday morning. You can leave your comments by downloading the Podbean app to your device and on the Woman Worthy Facebook page. I'm Paulette Lee. I hope you found this program worthy of your time.